What's up, everyone? Uh, We're going to start the show today with a very cool announcement. We are doing a live show on Saturday, June 5th. Live show. Live show. Live show. We Back on stage. 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 More exciting than that, myself and a friend of the show, Dan Beckner, Beckner have programmed... Beckner. <laughs> Wolf Parade have programmed an entire damn streaming music and podcast festival. Festival, festival. That Chapo's going to be headlining. All the acts will be performing live at the venue elsewhere here in Brooklyn, and it's going to be streamed over a new platform built specifically for live performances called Frequency.Live. That's F-R-Q-N-C-Y dot live. Uh, the lineup is extremely dope. We've got Chapo headlining the pod stage and our friends Every Time I Die headlining the band stage. You guys have been doing a good show, Mama, right? I don't want to die. Mama, I don't want to die. <laughs> For pods and comedy, we've also got our boys Episode 1 playing. Uh, some of my old friends We Hate Movies are going to be on the pod stage. Tinder Live with Lane Moore, a very funny online dating comedy show. And, of course, the very stylish boys of the Throwing Fits podcast making their stage debut. Uh, for bands, every time I die, we've got Synth God, Zola Jesus playing, Downtown Boys, the best communist punk band with a saxophone in the game, and the great new indie punk act, Pom Pom Squad. Finally, rounding it out, we've got Bryn Niebuhr from the Gen Loss podcast, and Beep Beep Lettuce's acclaimed fifth wave emo act, Stay Inside. So it's going to be sick. The presale starts today, and for $15, you get access to the whole day's event, one events, 1 p.m. to midnight, streaming on the Frequency dot live site uh the platform is really yes, cool sir. it's like a cross yes sir sorry i'm <laughs> just hyping it up I'm you're just hyping it up. it up thank you the platform is really cool it's like a cross between twitch and discord you can join in a big public twitch like chat while you watch twitch or you can uh meet up with friends in smaller private video chat breakout rooms like you're uh, group watching something over zoom or discord i've watched shows in it with the team it's really cool i could imagine using it after the pandemic to see shows i couldn't personally attend breakout room do cocaine with your friends in the bathroom, <laughs> but virtually. Yes. It's a breakout room. Everybody can meet in the, ver- in the digital bathroom on the platform. Uh, and also, Dan and I and the Whole Frequency team are trying to build a new type of cooperative festival. All the artists are included in a profit sharing with the fest. So once we hit our modest break-even numbers of ticket sales, part of all profits made are redistributed back to the bands and also to the Save Our Stages funds to help support independent venues. If this thing is a success... We hope to do more and eventually uh, using this platform to set up fests and improve access to them and create a cooperative festival model that offers artists and venues better deals than fucking Golden Voice or Ticketmaster or any of those demonic, uh, huge music corporations. Demons. They're demons. (laughs) So to make this thing a success, for you, the listener, attendance is mandatory. Buy the tickets. You get 12 hours of music and comedy entertainment for $15. Chapo is planning something really cool for this. These bands rock. I love all these pods. Buy the tickets. You can attend the stream from anywhere in the world. So if you're one of our Australian listeners, buy the tickets. You'll wake up the next day there, slap some Vegemite on some of your toast, and watch us at 10 a.m. If you're one of the 4,000 German sickos who listens to this show, buy the tickets. Instead of rolling out to Bergheim at 4 a.m., you're going to sign into Frequency.Live and enjoy the show. If you're a gray wolf, a black wolf, an acid Marxist, an FYM discorder, one of the weirdos who comments on the SoundCloud, buy the tickets, find a group, meet up with some friends there, and chat about how we suck live. Frequency.live. 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 F-R-Q-N-C-Y dot live. Go buy a goddamn ticket, support indie music, support indie pods, and enjoy a sick show. 
And this concludes my semi-annual grovel, but also, as always, subscribe to the YouTube. We're 10,000 away from that trophy. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great pitch, and I want to commend uh, Chris and Dan Beckner for putting together this festival, and uh, really uh, quite a lineup for this. For this, and I got to say, I'm very excited to be back on stage. To just sort of like uh, a real light at the end of the tunnel to be back doing a live show, and uh, we as Chapo certainly have something fun planned for our return to the stage. But I got to say, here as a personal personal play, I had the opportunity. Uh, you know, now what, fuck, two years ago to see Every Time I Die live in Buffalo at their Tid the Season Festival. And I got to say, as someone who wasn't really well versed in the whole, you know, hardcore metal scene, I, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. But holy shit, if you have not seen an Every Time I Die concert live, you're missing out on like a religious experience in terms of the energy they're bringing. It was that, that show slayed. They are like, they are fucking demons on stage. And, uh, Cannot cannot praise the every time I die live experience enough, but this will you know this is they're only they're only one act in this fucking in this rollout here and uh you know what a lot of times people ask us you know Chapo what are you doing to help small businesses and <laughs> the answer is all that we can okay we're saving live music and comedy we are saving the stages with this show um, I'm very excited to put this together it's been a lot of work but uh, Dan and the Frequency guys have been stellar about it and i really think that this is going to be something super cool and unique and again i think that you know this platform is very cool it's kind of hard to describe but you'll see it when you go to the site it is something i can i can really imagine using after the pandemic to attend live shows that i can't see in person uh and also another special thing about this it is live we're not doing it to tape earlier and broadcasting it everything will be live and it is if you don't see it, there's no fucking Black Wolf feed for this. There's no video on demand. We're not putting it up on YouTube afterwards. It is one time only. $15, 10 acts. It's a good deal. Uh, I'm, I'm done pitching. Get on with the show. Just like to state again, the Every Time I Die live experience. And this is coming from me, someone who prefers usually live music to be sort of, uh, you know, more lyrical style hip hop, um, ukulele based <laughs> folk music and spoken word poetry. I got to say, though, Every Time I Die really flipped my fucking wig. I was like, I didn't know live music could be this fucking metal. But it's one of the best live performances you can see. We uh, we hope everyone, you know, can make it to this. And hopefully um, Israel Bilderberg's like, you know, turn off the covid machine and the pandemic. We want to go to Buffalo again this year for tip the season. All right, let's start the show, boys. All right, we are back, and uh, for this week's show, we are returning once again to a very fertile vein of Chapo content and episodes. I'm talking, of course, about movement conservatism's forays into show business and movie magic. And, you know, the last couple of times we've done this, we've been a little bit taken aback, maybe a little bit um, even disappointed that some of the movies we've been watching aren't catastrophically awful and like one of them even approached actually being an, a real movie you know what i mean guys like it just sort of uh, we were we, 
had begun to believe that conservatives are learning. Are are our conservatives learning? Yes, some of them are learning how to make movies that are are at least watchable, or or are are capable of expressing an idea in an entertaining format. Well, we're returning to form today with a movie that is so catastrophically incompetent, um, vile in everything it uh, <laughs> believes in, but it, whose main, like, truly awful thing about this movie is how unbelievably boring it is. I'm talking, of course, about the new, just released, historical epic, Roe versus Wade. That's Ooh, right. Boy. This movie, abortion politics. Th- this movie right here. This makes the Reliant look like Run Hide Fight, and makes Run Hide Fight look like Mad Max Fury Road. I have to say, this isn't like incompetent like most Christian movies we see. Like this movie is incredible to me, not because it fits the usual form of Christian movies, and it does in some ways. Like it's, it, it, it it's like the acting is stilted and wooden, and people are just outright like. I want to kill babies because I'm bad, but like the sheen of it, the look, the sort of smug feel, the fourth wall breaking narrator, it reminds me of like the post. This is the conservative, the post. And it it does show that their technology is advancing. (laughs) And probably by like, in like 10 years, they could, there can be like a conservative, like shape of water. (laughs) I mean, the thing about this movie, though, is that this is not an evangelical Christian film. This is very specifically a Catholic mm-hmm. film. And there's a very, like, there's a very, uh, very, very unique Catholic mindset in this movie that I think makes And that's rare apart. because most of these movies yeah. are by, by and for evangelical Protestants. Yeah, like, you know, it's like we talked about. Like, it's just like someone, uh, someone's uncle who owns all the copper wiring in the state of Oklahoma. It just, like, goes to the same church as you. And they're like, yeah, I'll finance your film. And then you get, you know, a movie like The Reliant or something. This movie is, is very interesting. This movie is the product of uh, basically like uh, a one man, the, the, the writer or star and director of this movie is a guy named Nick Loeb. Uh, who is Nick Loeb, you might ask? Well, you may remember him as uh, Sofia Vergara of Modern Family's X and, and uh, uh, his involvement in a uh, spurious lawsuit in which he challenged the, the, the like, he basically uh, demanded for himself through the courts the right to use the fertilized embryos that they created during in vitro fertilization as his own after their divorce. Give me the eggs. <laughs> so this guy is like a pretty unique uh, sort of pro-life. His, his, path to, his path to becoming a pro-life crusader was just like, I want, I want the eggs of the Star of Modern Family back because they're mine. I'll well, just maybe you- they had an arrangement. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like the, the lawsuit was thrown out because it was like, like explicitly uh like he had no right whatsoever to that and he tried to use he tried to use the embryos they created in ivf without her consent and then demanded i don't know maybe he wanted to do like an art project with i don't know like doctors lawyers judges like we all know they lie but like we don't know that he was going to make a baby with them that he was going to do ivf in like his home office he was possibly going to make like a macrame project with the eggs very small macrame project. Well, uh, I was just looking up Nick Loeb. Um, it says here, uh, career and political activities. Uh, he just like had some like very minor involvement in the film industry. Uh, then he served as finance co-chairman for Rudy Giuliani's 2008 presidential run. Um, and then my favorite little uh, line item on his Wikipedia page is, in 2006, he formed Loeb's Foods 
and in April 2011, he created, he founded the Crunchy Condiment Company, which sells onion crunch, a fried onion topping, with products sold at over 17,000 locations. So, <laughs> I don't know why Sofia Vergara left this guy. Yeah, I know. Awesome. He's a catch. My favorite part of the Wikipedia is where you find out that his middle name is Leopold. <laughs> <laughs> And that he's Lisa Lisa Loeb's son. (laughs) And you say you won't keep this baby. I say I'll see you in court. I'll see you in court, ma'am. Give me, give me the, give me those overly eggs. Um, So I mean, like, and also, like, there was a. This film had sort of a a troubled production as well. Before we get into the movie itself, and a troubled production because it was originally started filming under the the shooting title of 1973. And I think it was sold to a lot of the original actors and the director of the film as like a, you know, uh, a sort of like a a historical procedural based on the Roe v. Wade trial. But then like as the actors and director got uh, opportunity to read the script and start doing some of these scenes, uh, the director and like half of the original cast just quit the movie because they were like, I do not want to be involved in this like just rank fucking propaganda film. And here and here's the funniest part, though, like in. And looking into this, uh, there's just there's one quote here from from uh, Loeb himself that I thought was so hilarious. He said, uh, Loeb has said that the movie doesn't take sides and tries to simply, quote, lay out the facts surrounding the titular 1973 Supreme Court ruling, which is not just ludicrous, but just about the most gutless thing imaginable. For yeah. This Nick Loeb character. What a fucking coward. Like, just come. Oh, this movie. Yeah. It's it tries to show both sides of this issue or lay out the fact. Yeah. We'll get into it. But what a fucking farce that is. Yeah. So, like, you guys know how uh, hesitant I am to call, like, really anything anti-Semitism. Right. Like, I'm the last sure. guy to go there. I don't think anything is really anti-Semitic. I, I don't even know. I'm an anti-Semitism denier. I don't even <laughs> you know are, if anyone's been anti-Semitic ever. Yeah, but but this movie is the most anti-Semitic movie I've ever. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It, it really I, is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, really it is. is. Uh, Jamie Kennedy through the is the biggest part in the movie besides Nick Loeb, and he plays a Jewish uh, abortion activist named Larry uh, Later, and he is doing the Happy Merchant hand rub the entire time. Like, everyone in this movie who isn't a Christian is, like, a disgusting kike or a dumb bitch. Yeah. And Those in the several three types scenes, of person. the disgusting kikes and the dumb bitch, bitches hang out. And the two disgusting kikes are, like, trying to get sucked off. and uh, Cheating he, on their wives while doing Yeah, so. cheating on their wives. And the, they're, like, bragging about how they're making abortion legal. And the girl's like, how do you do that? I can't read. How do you <laughs> How do you get the nose on our side? And one of the kikes goes, uh, it's easy. We control the media. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah, paraphrasing. Just, he literally no, That's literally that. a line. Like, that's literally a line. <laughs> and the funny thing is, though, because, like, okay, so the original director quit. And then, uh, like, uh, uh, just like, uh, you know, a lot of the original cast also dropped out, too, and they realized what they had signed on for. Uh, not Jamie Kennedy, hilariously. And there's a very funny quote from him about how he ended up being in this movie. So, basically, the movie is from from that point on is filled out with basically every over 60 plus Hollywood actor of yesteryear who have had their brains cooked by Fox News or are just so desperate for any screen time that they will appear in this fucking movie. I'm talking John Voight, 
Robert right. Davi. Davi. Steve Gutenberg of Police Gutenberg. Gutenberg. <laughs> Corbin Burnson. Corbin uh, motherfucking it, Burnson. William Forsythe. William Forsythe. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that's the one that hurt me the most because I love I, William Forsythe is a great actor. But, man, it's, it's hard times going on here. John Voight is in this. And the last thing of note John Voight has been in is Ray Donovan. And if you watch Voight's performance in Ray Donovan, it's very clear that the producers of that show are like – this is your son. He's named Ray Donovan. <laughs> and it's just like, like John Voight is like really thinks he's killing people in that show. Like this is not a guy who knows okay. where he's at. So, yeah. John Voight plays uh, Chief Justice Warren Berger in this. Mm, and the funny Berger. thing is like, it's like so, it's, so much of it is about like, oh, like uh, uh, d- does a fetus have standing? to be represented in, in court or under the Constitution, which is funny because in John, John Voight could not stand trial for murder and like because he's not mentally competent enough. But like him, him appearing in this movie as a chief justice of the Supreme Court is added comedy. It, it's really quite something. Yeah, it, there are some great there are some great Supreme Court scenes like I that's where the movie really gripped me. We'll talk about it later, but. Um. When, okay, when the scenes of like seven just confused old men looking at each other across yeah. the table, I mean, yeah. you know, wearing, it's wearing robes, it really is. It's like it's like pill handout time at the day room at the uh, nursing home. <laughs> yeah, like I would love to see the B roll or the or the blooper reel from that. They're just shitting their pants. <laughs> It's like it's like seven of Betty Draper's dads coming out. <laughs> the, the entire craft service table is just pudding cups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is like they're gonna think they're gonna be like uh, Biden's killing people who are involved in this movie because half the cast will drop dead just of natural causes. They they pan over and it's like, wait a minute, who's that playing Thurgood Marshall? Is that Frank Sheeran from The Irishman? <laughs> uh, in addition to uh, you know. Uh, beloved actors of yesteryear who are you know just been circling the drain for the last 20 years uh the movie is also uh the 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 cast is filled out by some a who's who of the uh sort of like uh uh conservative celebrities uh, uh limited but not including to mike lindell roger stone milo yiannopoulos uh tommy laren and uh stacy dash has like a somewhat uh a somewhat yeah meaty role. I mean, she has like a, a more than a few scenes in this movie. Yeah, I so I think the best actor in this was Mike Lindell. And he's like, <laughs> he's, he's on his a, only like scene seconds. is like he's in a TV that someone's watching. He's like, <laughs> it's the murder of a baby. <laughs> and, and it's like he's stole the one scene he was in. And I am looking forward to Mike Lindell starring opposite uh, Florence Pooh. And uh, L. Fanning in an A twenty four love triangle movie, where they're like, like the trailer is just like L. Fanning going, like, I just don't know what I want my life to be, and then you, he just bursts through the door and he's like, I found more things. I found, I found, there was emails from China. He's just playing himself. He's just dating Al Fanning in it. He's he's a magnetic presence. Like it's I got the Moderna shot today, so I'm a little tired and I was like almost nodding off and then Dull showed up. Well, we should talk about um uh, the the lead in the movie. Um uh, Nick Loeb as as a fucking leading man and director of this movie is a fucking disaster. I mean, I will say he's I'm greater like, than even Orson Welles. He is, <laughs> talking, he is as good a director as he is a writer as he is an actor, which is nice. 
that you don't have anything like lumpy. It is pure incompetence across the board because his screenplay includes not only is obviously the the dialogue idiotic and terrible, but he can't even get like subject verb agreement correct sometimes. (laughs) There is basic (laughs) grammatical structure of sentences that falls apart in the mouths of these actors who are all supposed to be like academic um, academics and and fucking legal professionals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. I understand, like in a movie like this, where you're trying to communicate to an audience, like a uh, uh, sort of the process of of history and of politics and of the of big ideas and court cases and like convey a lot of information. It's never a good sign when like ninety percent of the dialogue is a voiceover addressing the audience directly, who's just like, you know, hey, I'm going to tell you the thing now that you need to know to go on to this next scene. And the funny thing is that. Uh, the director, like so many bad directors, is clearly influenced by Goodfellas. And the way they set up Planned Parenthood in this movie is like, you know, it, it, it's, it's Nick Loeb is the main character who's like one of the, the, the pioneering abortion doctors in America. It's just like, like, they'll, like in Goodfellas, there'll be like a freeze, freeze frame and then and like, like the voiceover and he'll just be like, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to kill babies for money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, so the movie begins, and it's uh, he's being interviewed by some Washington Post uh, uh, journalist, and the journalist is asking him about like he's like, so when you take them out, do you see anything? Don't they have a human form? You know, all you said is that they're bloody meat or whatever, and he's like, uh, er, retro record scratch. I bet you get, I bet you're wondering how I ended up here. <laughs> and then, and then what he says is like, uh, you have to understand, it was the '70s. There was the women's movement, and I got swept up in it. So uh, and then and then it gets into like the the credits and by the way the uh, associate producer for this movie is the Catholic League so there there you go you, you know you're Billy you're, Bill fucking Donahue I yeah. love I love Bill Donahue he um he was one of the most pu- puzzling re- recurring Opie and Anthony guests <laughs> <laughs> he would like go on there and like. You know, like you, you remember like mid two thousands culture wars where it's like some guy would go on there and it was like Rachel Ray did like a print ad for a female condom and they're freaking out and they and like because it was Opie and Anthony they'd be like Bill have you have you ever gotten a blowjob and then he'd like hang up but he <laughs> he kept calling back so you know. well it's funny because Opie and Anthony originally got yanked off the air in New York City because they had some couple call into the show while they were having sex in St Patrick's Cathedral. He was so, very uh, upset with them for that. Yeah, very angry. It's very that. sad. So basically, yeah, it's going to tell the story like of how abortion became legal in America, seen through the life of this one of its uh, pioneering doctors who, spoiler alert, has a big change of heart by the end of the movie. But, you know, it, it's interesting about like the, the details they choose to uh, convey about his life, because as soon as the movie starts, it like, cuts back in time to 1949. And he's like uh, he's a young man. And he's playing chess against his father, who's played by a uh, Borat's producer, Azamat. And the, yeah, first thing, yeah. the first and the first thing he says in voiceover is, "My family was Jewish." Yeah, there, there's a lot of a lot <laughs> okay, of stuff about they, Jews in this. They, movie. Okay, the, the the makers of this film, I, I I can't stress like really really want their audience to know how many Jewish people were involved in like making abortion a, a legal right in this country. They're, they're, it's, they're, it's yeah, it's not. It's just it's not a mistake at all. There is um, there's a scene where a rabbi uh is like telling a couple how to get an abortion and it's like it's like if der Sturmer had a more like a, they still had a film division that existed <laughs> it just like never went out of business he's like uh 
it's like, yeah, a dumb bitch who's cheating on her husband is like, I want to, I want to go to South Beach. Can we kill this baby? <laughs> and he's like, Oi, they, I, I hope it, uh, Oh, have you seen the penny outside my office? I lost it. I hope I don't, uh, I hope I can make it in time to get the stale bread that they throw away before I have to commit several rapes. Oh no. So yeah. Um, so he's playing, he's playing chess against his father. And like, there's this like strained metaphor where he's like, the, uh, the, he, the, you know, he tells his dad, you don't need the queen to win the game. You have to sacrifice for the greater good. So he's sort of being like, uh, the queen is uh, women and the pawns are their fetuses and the sacrifice for the greater good, checkmate, is legalized abortion. And, uh, you know, his personal story, uh, it, you know, it's such that like when he was in college, um, uh, his girlfriend gets pregnant and, uh, and, and then like it's revealed that like he made her get an illegal, an ab- illegal abortion and she like, you know, comes home in the cab and she's like covered in blood and shit and he like carries her into the house and he's like, I vow that like, you know, never again will a woman have to go through this or, you know, put her life at risk to, to terminate a pregnancy. Right. And like, you know, in, in, in the, in the moral framework of the movie, this is just like confess. This is like Henry Hill being like, I just always wanted to commit crimes. I think it's a great lifestyle. I love breaking the law. I love ripping people off, doing murders. It's it's fun. So and like, you know, I, I can't be stressed enough that like Nick Loeb as an actor is like sub local car dealership commercial level performance. Like he he's just he is lost at, at absolutely, every scene just, in just this movie. A monotone, <laughs> stumbling over words, failing to enunciate. It's brutal. And, you know, he says, like, look, I, I wanted to help and save women. And, you know, he's like, our master plan started in 1970 and we needed. And then the, in the script, this, I, I had this on this an actual quote. He was like, look, he's like, we all knew like we needed like a national right to uh, an abortion. And then he says, but we needed the gals to, on our side in order to win. <laughs> so it's all about how like these these these, uh, you know, scheming members of the medical community um in, in you know uh, pioneer a medical procedure that they're like oh we're going to make billions off of this but then they need to cynically uh, enlist the help of the burgeoning women's movement to sort of co-sign their 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 criminal money making opportunity and like pull the wool over the eyes of a of an innocent and uh, you know unsuspecting nation so uh, there yeah then we meet uh, Jamie Kennedy who is the father of the abortion movement and uh, they they go to pains to point out that he was tutored by Margaret Sanger, who appears in flashback speaking in front of a burning cross at a Klan rally about the need for like, you know, racial hygiene and eugenics and things like that. Um, but OK, Jamie, the fact that Jamie Kennedy is probably is the second lead in this movie. Like he has like more lines in screen time than any other actor like Jamie Kennedy, a guy who was like in a couple teen movies in like the nineties and then was on like some reality prank TV show. And he's been like because like he's not a political conservative. He is the odd man out here. Like he he is not like Stacy Dash or Tommy Laren or Nick Loeb himself. He's just like a guy who legitimately got cast in this movie and was like it's a living and of course for his trouble is being raked over the coals for it. I think like that who's that guy in the Daily Beast who like all he does is just like reporting on what was on TV. Uh, was uh, it Marlo Stern? Oh yeah, he was one of the Marlo Stern was yeah, one of the original yeah, Chapo a, Duck Hunt members. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he had a beef with a uh, uh, Brandon, that's when, like, man, we, when we could really get away with a lot. 
because there is like a, a low four digit amount of people listening. But yeah, uh, his if you click on his byline on Daily Beast, it's hilarious. It's like, man, I know everything that happened on Bill Maher now. Um, so like, yeah, like so Marlister interviewed him in the Daily Beast and like, you know, fucking uh, just just ripped him a new one for uh, being in this movie. And, and his 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 answer, I, I just want to read a quote here from Jamie Kennedy about like, you know, why he's in this movie or what he thinks about it. And he just says, to be honest, I got offered the role. It was a more dramatic part and a real offer. And I did some research. I knew there was a lot of stuff we were walking into. But in other parts of Hollywood, I have to read, read, read and read. And this is a nice offer. Certain parts in Hollywood make me read 19 times for the 10th season of a TNT show. And here comes this detailed character. I'm an actor. I apologize if I've pissed people off. <laughs> Which is like, I accept you know what? It's that. like, it's credible. It like, what? money to be yeah. in a movie. <laughs> But his, yeah, his, I, his I, performance is is again unbelievably like like bad and like unbelievably anti-Semitic because like every yeah. scene with him he's like he's like we gotta find a way to lie to get to kill more of these babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's also like well, is this like worse than being in Zero Dark Thirty? I'd argue no. Um, and it's also like. Yeah, it must. I would be demeaned if I had made Jamie Kennedy's accomplishments and was, uh, you know, had to be on TNT and work really hard for it. No, like this. This yeah. should be a law. This should be like a fairness doctrine law. Every Christian movie has to have like one kind of normal actor in it that isn't a Christian or conservative, like just to to lend it legitimacy so people will see it. He's got kind of like a like a fast talking Boston guy accent in this movie. Like it's kind of it's kind of hard to put my finger it's on. It's a Jewish but... accent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He, he does right. the Jewish voice. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. He it's 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 really played up. It's it's not it's it's not good, folks. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah, again, this is the most. I can't do. I can't sound like see. him on the show, or they get mad at me. That's how bad it is. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm not it, allowed to sound like he did in this movie. Yeah, it was um. Yeah. And it's one of the it's like not even in the top five of most anti Semitic things in this movie. Oh no. God oh God. We'll get to the we'll get <laughs> to the rabbi in a minute. Holy yeah. shit. So like they'll, they'll show you like ten seconds of something and then like Nick Loeb will be interjecting again with like, you know, his his Henry Hill style voiceover. And they make sure to let you know certain things like, you know, Margaret Sanger didn't want black people to have babies at all. Um and then like so then it's about how like you know, uh, the, the, the abortion rights movement, like New York is their first big test case because it's like one of the biggest states in the country and one of the most liberal. And they're able to uh, have abortion become legal in New York state. And there's this one scene where like uh, they depict uh, like a politician who's who's against passing this law. And he's like crying, giving a speech on the floor of like the state legislature or something. And he's like through tears. He's like. I'm reading an imaginary diary from a fetus. And he's like, like the actor's crying and he's like, it's dark in here. I don't know where I am, but I just want to see my mommy. And it's just, yeah. like, he's ventriloquizing the thoughts of like a fucking, uh, you know, several, like a first trimester fetus, which is like, again, so much of this movie and it's like moral universe does not even try, attempt to convince anyone who doesn't already believe it's the case that like a fertilized embryo is like the moral and legal equivalent of like your grandmother 
or like a child that's walking around on the street and it's just like this guy's crying just being like mom I, I want to live mommy don't kill me and I'm just like no wonder they fucking lost so these, all these weepy assholes are just crying in public all the time like they're one of the, it's a diary of a baby of a, of, <laughs> yeah. a, of, a, of, a, of a fetus and that the, the last entry is today my mother killed me today my mommy killed me <laughs> <laughs> like, you're still writing, dude. I don't know what really has changed. It's fine by me. I just wanted to say quickly that in the scene before this, they show uh, the coven of Jews uh, talking about their next strategy in front of while marching with a bunch of protesters. They do that several times. And this is a scene that it must be stressed takes place before Roe versus Wade has been uh, taken up by the Supreme Court. And it is the scene that happens right before the uh they show this guy doing his impassioned, tearful speech from the baby's pers- the the uh, fetal perspective uh, before the New York uh, government votes to legalize abortion in New York. Right, so this is before any of that, and they're marching, and behind them are pro-choice protesters, one of whom is holding a sign that says "Keep abortion legal." <laughs> <laughs> That's a they were just we need That's pro-choice signs. And so they just got one, and nobody for a second thought, wait a minute, abortion's not legal yet at this point when we're doing the (laughs) the scene. And uh, there's a funny dynamic in this movie where, like, uh, you know, uh, the the Nick Loeb character, like the Dr. Nathan, I forget his name, Dr. Bernie Nathan. Dr. Nathan Jewish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, when he's when he's not explaining how Jewish he is, he's saying things like, "All I want to do, all I want to do is 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 help women." Like I, you know, I have I have a sincere conviction that, like, you know, my work. Uh, is for the benefit of uh, not just women, but like, you know, all of American society and like our, our freedoms and dignity and our standard of living. But then Jamie Kennedy will immediately be like, all right, so then we're going we're gonna to push for abortion on demand, abortion whenever we want. And then like he's always just like, uh, are you sure? Really? Like and then like at every point, Jamie Kennedy is like like instigating him to like further and further push the envelope in terms of legal abortion. Yeah. And part of their strategy. This is really funny. In, in order to get the gals on their side, they have to like neg Betty for Dan into getting on board by being like, "Ooh, I guess uh, maybe uh, maybe when we go to Gloria Steinem, uh, she'll be she's more of a Gloria Steinem idea. You wouldn't get it." And then she's like, "Not so fast." Yeah, I actually think it was supposed to be Gloria Steinem, uh, and then they threatened to send it to Betty for Dan, but there's no way to tell. Because yeah. there's no characterization. She's just a lady yelling. Yeah, she should, Yeah, it's like some women are stupid bitches and this one's a mean bitch. Yeah. Um, I would say the dynamic here is that Nick Loeb is Darth Vader of abortion and Jamie Kennedy is like the emperor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So and then like at the same time they're 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 showing you the coming together, the coming together, like the sort of early stages of the pro-life movement. And as it was found in New York, it was like very much a a product of the uh, the Catholic Church and certain like this one uh, Fordham law professor and like and then and and like in their mind and like certainly in the minds of the producers of the movie, uh, legalized abortion was like a thousand percent a bigoted conspiracy against Catholic people in America, and it's it's portrayed that way over and over again in the way that like uh, Jamie Kennedy's character says at one point. The Catholics control everything in New York State. It's like this is like 1970. Like I don't. That's, that's I don't know if that's 100 percent accurate, but if it ever was the case. But like uh, there, there is a the Fordham Law Professor is played by Joey Lawrence. 
<laughs> who is totally bald. And it took me like halfway through the movie to recognize him because he looks weird as hell. And they're yeah, talking about the ways looking, in he looks like a, yeah, the porn version of himself. Yes. Uh, they, they keep talking about uh, Dr. Bernie as the abortion king and the scraper. And they're talking about the unfair ways in which uh, their, their side is uh, caricatured in the press. And there's one very funny telling line where he goes, you know, he says, he goes, they never, they never refer to Dr. Nathanson as, you know, Jewish abortion doctor, but I'm always referred to as unmarried Catholic professor. And I'm like, mm, there they go again, scapegoating closeted gay men. Yeah. Is there, is there nothing that these abortion people, there's no low that they won't stoop to? And it's like, I'm pretty sure um, the writers and producers of this movie and the real guy probably referred to him as Jewish several times. <laughs> Probably every time they talked about him. <laughs> and then there were introduced to uh, Stacey Dash's character, who uh, portrays, I think, one of, the, one of the first black women to graduate from Harvard Medical School, and she became like a, a big fixture in the early pro-life movement. And there's a scene where she's like, initially doesn't really want to be involved in this, or she's sort of adamant that, that uh, like a religious argument shouldn't be brought into the you know, uh, pro, pro-life, pro-choice debate into the debate over like whether abortion should be a legal medical procedure. And then like, there's a scene where like a priest just like chases her into a subway and like just sort of cajoles her into joining the movement. I mean, again, like uh, her characterization is just, she comes on screen and says things like feminism is destructive. Yes. And just like, yeah, like, uh, uh, um, she goes, Oh yeah. And then like, they're trying to recruit her into the pro-life movement. And one of the, one of the activists says to her, I never heard Rosa Parks make any excuses. That was <laughs> yeah, an a, amazing scene. Yeah. There's a moment and, later where they show her getting passed over for a promotion at her at her surgical job for a white man, and it's supposed to be this moment of injustice. But it's like, lady, you are you said feminism is bad. Take the hint. Get back in the fucking kitchen. What are you even doing at work? I mean, she has her own way of uh, looking at the world or whatever. I mean, like like I said, like it's just they. There is no characterization given to like any of these people. They they just show up and like most of this movie is just a resuscitation of like all the things that the pro life movement I think are unfair that they've been crying about for the last seventy years, but just put into a screenplay. Like there's all these like pedantic legal and like social issues. Like just there's so many pedantic details that are thrown into this movie, like as presented as like an airtight case that like any fair-minded person would be like i never knew that about roe v wade or whatever that just like to anyone whose brain isn't already thoroughly like saturated with this shit will just be like what the fuck are you talking about like they just do such a bad job at communicating like like portraying like any point of view that isn't their own which i understand is like you know uh, if you're a conservative, obviously, like liberal Hollywood has been doing that to you for for years. So I guess you know you get a fair is fair. You get a crack at it now, but like it's just it, they're just extraordinarily bad at it, and but like they're 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 extraordinarily bad at portraying the point of view of the people you're supposed to be sympathetic with, or rendering their beliefs or like life circumstances in any way that's like comprehensible to someone who doesn't hasn't read the lore, like the Wikipedia lore section on on Roe v. Wade and legal abortion in this country. Yeah, they just do pure, uh, all of their their rejoinders are just bumper sticker shit that if you don't already agree with, means nothing to you. So uh, as the movie goes on, it's like, hey, it's boom times for abortion. And they're like, hey, we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're fucking, we're, you know, it's like an assembly line of abortion, you know, they're like, you know, it is like Goodfellas, you know, it's to see where they open up the fucking like the, the paper bag full of money. And it's just like, hey, then Planned Parenthood was fanned. Hey, if you're a lady, 
you want to get rid of a pregnancy, you can talk to Planned Parenthood. Yeah. But you got to pay them every week. You know, oh, have a moral ethical or ethical concern? Fuck you, pay me. You know, and then uh, and then Milo Yiannopoulos shows up as like a British doctor who teaches uh, Dr. Nathanson, Nick Loeb, how to do like uh, the, the suction method. And like Milo's performance was just like, one of the most credible, but like also deeply weird and disturbing parts of this movie was him speaking in like an even more affected British accent than he normally does. As like he's just like I'm I'm cre- I'm Doctor Rapist, everybody. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just very very odd. I mean, and he and he looks. I know I know it's the point of the movie is that he'd be unpleasant as possible, but it was like actually one of the casting choices that landed, in my opinion. Yeah, he um, he could have a second life as an actor. I think this is the year of his comeback. He could and definitely the, you know, the, be like a, uh, a a a horrifying uh like minion of a crime boss in an action movie like, like tailored like in figure. the last boy scout type of thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. He's like <laughs> officer there's a problem with would you hold these bullets for me what is he saying that he's like my gun has too many bullets because yes sir officer there is it appears there are too many bullets in this gun and then shoots him in the head yeah it's like there's there's so many like like cackling scenes of like the the early um abortion movement just being like uh gentlemen to evil and then yay yep there is they all believe they are we're gonna make a bunch of money off killing babies and we're gonna rig the media to do it because we hate black people and Catholics. Yeah, there. Every every scene. This is one of my favorite things about the movie is like the contrast between the pro life people and the pro abortion people. Because the pro Catholic people or the pro life people, like they have uh, arguments, but the arguments are like, "No, you're the bravest one of us. No, you are." I I think life is beautiful because God gives us to to us. I think God's beautiful because he gives us life. Oh, we're both right. I love you. Let's work hard. And then all the abortion scenes are like like the greedy kike will be like this is because of me. I'm the king of abortion. And then like some Betty Betty Friedan will be like I actually this is because of me. I deserve to buy shoes with abortion money. <laughs> Just yeah, the moral the moral universe of this movie is very easy to figure out. Um, so like then they introduced that like okay, so then they know like okay, so New York State it's legal, but they need they need a court they need a case to go to the Supreme Court. So they begin um uh, en- engineering the famous Roe v. Wade case that would go to the Supreme Court, and they need to find, of course, Jane Roe, who was a you know barely educated like you know a woman in a desperate circumstances um, who was seeking to obtain an abortion illegally in texas and then was sort of cajoled by these uh two uh women attorneys who were given the case and like by the way like they're portrayed to be like total incompetence who are just like skirts that are just pushed out i think at one point they're like they're like what's a constitutional case and then they're like don't, don't worry cupcake <laughs> yeah. we'll take care of that for you yeah they and, are like, you know they're shown to be like deeply manipulative of this poor woman who like and then like i guess like they bring up the fact that like roe in the case was like you know they were like oh we're going to keep her identity hidden because, like, you know, if anyone knew the real circumstances, like, our case wouldn't stand withstand scrutiny. And it was like, again, like, I just I don't know if that was the reason that she was granted anonymity in, like, the most controversial <laughs> legal case in, like, the 20th century. But um, it's a, basically like she doesn't even get an abortion. And she's like, and then became something of a pro-life activist herself. But, like... It, 
it's it's all very, it's all very, it's all just like her life story is a very very sad one of of someone who was manipulated by like they just became a kind of centerpiece in this big social the, the grandest social issue of our times, but was like very I think legitimately you could say poorly served by like just about everyone who wanted to use her for to, to, for a political end. I, th- I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, and then by the way, there's a scene where so they meet with uh, Jane with Roe. And it's the two it's the two lady attorneys and they meet with her in a Dallas uh, pizzeria and they're eating pepperoni pizza. And I swear to God, there is a scene where in describing abortion, they peel pepperoni off a fucking cheese pizza. And it's like a visual metaphor for what abortion is. I'm not making this up. It's explicitly referenced in the movie. Yeah. Cheese pizza, as it were. So um, and, you know, their strategy is, OK, like we, we got we got our perfect case. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to exploit her and we're going to. Uh, uh, scapegoat uh, Catholics who are, you know, the new the new Jews in American uh, society. Um, so then, and it's also like uh, I, did, I actually didn't know this about Roe v. Wade, but uh, the Wade in the Roe v. Wade case was like the Dallas fucking like attorney's office, and then like the the Wade character is this like Texas shithead who's just like you know some fucking like fat foghorn leghorn character who's like you 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 embarrassed this office boy let me tell you something he's like my office is the one that brought the case against jack ruby and i'm like wow okay yeah. could you yeah yeah could the deal you know, the dallas prosecutor's office not like any big embarrassing cases on their fucking docket that they're feeling sad about but yeah they, they show with wade's office as like as fucking up the legal argument for this at like every single point, like based on their, they're like, they, they didn't even bring property rights into it. And it's just like, look, I understand why you're mad about this, but like, these are your guys. Like, it's not my fault. They're all fucking incompetence. Yeah. He, uh, this character, the Texas attorney general, um, I expected him to throw a hat on the ground and shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these yeah. abortionists. Yeah. Oh, they got me again. Yeah. After they fuck up the one time in court uh, early in the movie, he goes, I got to leave or I'm going to blow a gasket. <laughs> <laughs> like, Are you a fucking gold prospector? Who the fuck? But I just love it's like he's like, my office prosecuted Jack Ruby. Of course you can make abortion illegal. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, oh wow. Aw- Real fucking layup awesome. with that one. Yeah. <laughs> my I, office I was... let Jolly West into the interview room so he could spray Jack Ruby with the terror gas from the scarecrow from Batman Begins. <laughs> I was the chief safety officer on the USS Liberty. You're embarrassing me, boy. He's <laughs> <laughs> like involved in every fuck up. Uh, then there's a, there's a funny scene where like there, there's several scenes where we get of uh, Joey Lawrence as a, a Fordham law professor, like sort of schooling his his sort of young progressive uh, students, and they're 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 saying things like like I, I I think it's okay to kill a baby or whatever, and then he just says like this is what I mean by like the bumper sticker writing on this movie, like it's just like it's all like these these rehearsed arguments that people like do in their head over and over again, and then turn into memes when like an atheist professor tells him something and Joey Lawrence's character is like, Oh, uh, you, you don't think it's killing a baby is mother Teresa, Martin Luther King and the Dalai Lama all wrong. And it's like, yeah, like that, yes. like that's the level. Of, yeah, yeah. Yes, they are. If that's, if that's literally what you're saying. Then yes. Um, and then he, and then at one point he says to his law, law students, I see you all protesting the killing in Vietnam, but like, this is hypocrisy to me. And then he says, and then, like, someone's just like, "Well, what if the what if the what if the fetus has like a terrible birth defect?" And he goes, 
killing an unborn baby because of birth defects is what the Nazis did to the Jews. And it's like, <laughs> nope, no, no, like that's not, not that's not really what nope. was going on there. Yeah, not at all. Not, he's they, using that with the Holocaust with the action T four. Yeah, exactly. Different. Yeah, he's um, not a very good professor. That much is clear. <laughs> All and of I his really... responses, it, like they show him talking to his law students and trying to like get them in Socratic dialogue, and every time they say something, his brilliant repose to them is something like, "Why'd you say that? Yeah, what? Why is that true? Yeah, it's amazing like, they or, or lost just... the case. <laughs> yeah, exa- no, that that's what's so incredible to me about this movie is that like as it gets like, into the second uh-uh. half, sure. that's basically what he yeah. says. Yeah, as it as it gets into the second half, like the the the, the case that this movie is trying to marshal is that like the Supreme Court like decided Roe v. Wade in a way that was like wholly illegitimate and like with outside the bounds of like what is fair or just or even like historically acceptable by the standards of like any court. And they like they go down this list and it's just like this this is your side that lost the case. And they did like they're just reverse engineering like after the fact a way in which that was all just so unfair to them. And it's just it's just not convincing in the slightest. Um we then get a really probably the funniest scene in the movie where it's a it's Jamie Kennedy and Nick Loeb and like they're sitting around the house and they're having like they're having dinner or breakfast with their their spouses and then Jamie Kennedy's like we need a jingle we need something snappy to get people uh, on on the side of abortion and then uh the 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 Nick Loeb character sings a jingle about abortion that's still stuck in my head where he's just like no this is great get on the piano here it goes like this there's a fortune in abortion. And it's this like, you know, like fucking like uh, like jaunty little limerick about um, once again, they're just like, you know, too evil. Well, this is this stuff. This is how fun and funny. We think this all is. Yeah, that is apparently a a a, um, a song that in the book that this is based on by Dr. Jewerson after his conversion to Catholicism and the uh, pro-life cause said that they that when he was an intern in, in a medical school that they would sing uh but there's zero evidence no one else has ever said that has ever happened anywhere it's just from this guy's book yeah sometimes only one guy tells the truth though <laughs> yeah it's it's possible and like there's all this stuff about like you know how they played the media and how they control the media and how like they use each other as sources so they're like you know when he's like uh, ten thousand women die every year from back alley abortions. We just made that up, and it's just like, oh yeah. In reality, it's more like nine thousand or something like that. It's just like the the movie is just filled with all these things about like, uh, you know, that poll that said that sixty percent of Americans are in favor of abortion. We made it up. It's all bullshit. You know, like no way, not this time. We created it. Like I said, it's just um sour grapes on behalf of the pro life movement that they didn't make up their own fake polls to support their point of view. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Like, they were so they were really so concerned this about this like not? holocaust of un, un the holocaust of like fucking dead fetuses or whatever. Uh, you think maybe they would uh, get their shit together? But like their side is shown over and over again to be like so incompetent that they can't cajole they can't cajole like a bunch of senile men like around to their position. Not as well as their uh, dumb daughters can. Yeah, that, well, that's, okay. a, that's, so, yeah, one, of my that's one of my favorite scenes. I love so, that. So about halfway through the movie, and by the way, I was, I was pausing to see the runtime of this movie like 20 minutes into it. I, I just like, out, out of everything we're saying here, I cannot stress enough how unbelievably boring this movie was. Oh, like, it, it's when brutal. I, when I hit pause and, and found that like for like the second or third time and found that there was 50 minutes left in this movie. Like I almost just, I almost aborted myself. 
rather than go through <laughs> this shit. But so then, okay, then we get the portrayal of the Supreme Court, and this is where they're bringing out their big guns. The Corbin Burnsons, the John Voights, the Steve Gutenbergs, the Robert Davies, the Junior Sopranos lawyer from the Sopranos. <laughs> Mel. He's, he's Mel, yeah, he's Justice Douglas. Um, so then it gets like this whole thing where like they make a big deal out of the fact that like the first time, like, because it was, it was re argued. Warren Berger wanted it re argued because when, the, when, they were, when they first voted in favor of establishing a legal right to an abortion, Two of Nixon's Supreme Court justices were, had yet to be seated. They were still being held up by Senate Democrats or whatever. So they're like, they, like the, the, the makers of the movie make a big deal out of this idea that it was unfair that there was only seven justices who had decided the original case. But then they get the two justices that they want appointed by Nixon, conservatives, uh, William Rehnquist and uh, Lewis Powell, I think. And then the next time they, they re-argue it, it's decided 7-2 in favor of not their side. So once again, it's just like, Maybe you're not making the best case. Yeah, maybe, they lost maybe, maybe this is votes. not as convincing as you. Yeah, you like, they lost this two is not, votes between the two uh, the two hearings. What okay. what what are you talking about? So like so like you know like normally you you may have to come to grips with the fact that like not everybody thinks the same way you do about this issue. That maybe you're not marshalling the best moral or legal case for an issue that you know, despite your passion for it, is going to get the job done. So they have to. So the filmmakers. And like the case they're making has to invent a reason for like why they actually lost votes after two additional conservative justices were put on the court. And the answer they come up with is that you're dealing with a, a, a vast conspiracy to manipulate the highest court of our nation by wives and daughters. Yeah. And that this, that this massive conflict of interest has been completely whitewashed from American history. Like, did you know, for instance, that, you know, <laughs> That Justice Potter Stewart or whatever had a wife and a daughter who who were like, yeah, honey, I think it's I, I think women deserve rights. And yeah, was like okay, okay, and then they hit him with a rolling pin or whatever, and they're just like they they, they play it out like that. Th- th- these guys are like sitting around their family table and they have like daughters who are like, yeah, like I I, mar- I marched for women's rights yesterday, Dad. Like, well, you know, you got to do what's right here. Like, it's like th- this is all some like heinous conspiracy that if you knew about would like revolutionize the way you think about like how this law was passed. Yeah. The, uh, the scene where justice Potter's, uh, family, they're sitting around and he's like, well, I think it's wrong to kill a baby. I, I love my job in politics. And you, the camera pans out and it's like, it's like a horror movie almost. It's like, wait a minute. He doesn't have any sons. There are no uncles at this table. <laughs> and they're like, dad, I want to get cummed in and fuck. And the wife is like, she's she's right. She can't be president unless uh, she can have abortion whenever she wants. And he's like, oh. OK, like they, 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 they do make a big point out of the fact that like Potter Stewart's wife apparently worked for Planned Parenthood and that like he should have recused himself from this case if that were the if that were true, which is like, OK, you, you can make an argument there for recusal. But that's very funny in light of what Clarence Thomas's wife does for a living in terms of recent um, conservative rulings from the Supreme Court, which are textbook conflict of interest. Like, she literally represents the people and advocates for them who are, like, arguing the case in front of him, which, you know, when it works to their... My point is, when it works to their benefit, 
they don't notice this shit at all. But then, like, they, they go back in time and they're like, oh, my God, here's the cheat code. And abortion has never been legal because Justice Potter's wife, uh, you know, donated money to Planned Parenthood one time. It all has to be done done. Can't you people see, like, can't you see the truth or whatever? And it's just like, like I said, like, it, the, the crushing thud here of, like, them smashing their most deeply held beliefs and ideas and, like, their study of history and the law like it's just like everything but the kitchen thing throwing you at the office and just it's utter inability to convince anyone who's not already a lunatic is that we always talk about like the the gulf in conservative movies between what they're attempting to do and what comes out on screen and like that to me in this movie is the biggest gulf that that is entertaining from this movie is like how bulletproof these arguments that they're marshalling that, that how how not just like surprising but like convincing they all are is the funniest part to me about this movie and this is, of course, all illustrated with like the scintillating filmmaking of, like I said, like a Ooh. bunch of old men looking at each other, just standing yeah. in rooms, <laughs> looking vaguely kind of confused, flatly lit, not no movement at all, mumbling. A lot of lookers uh, in this movie, though. Oh man, just some <laughs> real mugs. Yeah. Everybody just ravaged by time. Yeah, um, a lot of crags. So then we get like uh, probably the other really the, the, the a truly hilarious scene that Felix alluded to early where it's uh, Nick Loeb and Jamie Kennedy. And they like they they make a point of being like, you know, uh, Jamie Kennedy's character would go to St. Croix all the time to like cheat on his wife and have fun because like this is what this is what those abortion bucks get you a beautiful Caribbean vacation. And like, yeah, they're sitting on the beach of these two like hot young women. And it's like, you know, heavily implied that they're, you know, doing infidelity on their spouses. And they're just like, Wow. How did you get abortion to be legal? Illegal? Legal? I mean, isn't that wrong or whatever? And Jamie Kennedy's like, it's easy. If you just say a big lie enough times, people will believe it. It's called the big lie strategy, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's not. That's not made up. I'm not joking. No, yeah, that's yeah. a quote from the movie. And they're like, and then that's when uh, when he says, "It's easy. We control the media." We even control the movie Cabaret with Liza Minnelli, and I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> that was a musical." <laughs> Yeah. It was a musical. It was okay. a musical first, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And then they yeah, adapted yeah. it into a movie. They acted yeah. like they just put that into the film. The the uh, the <laughs> fucking closeted uh, Catholic professor. Wait a minute, I don't remember this part. <laughs> yeah, they were like, yeah, they were like, how did you, professor? How did you know about the thing in cabaret? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, it's no so South Pacific, my, I'll tell you my, that. My wife saw it and told me, <laughs> you can't meet her. So then we get, like I said, probably probably the most anti-Semitic scene in any movie that isn't oh, actually oh, a Nazi holy, propaganda film. Not, oh boy. We're like, and this is what's so funny about the Catholic part about this movie, is that in voiceover, at least twice, they say... Look, some Planned Parenthood wasn't enough because we still needed a network to cover all the states in which it was illegal. So we had this whole network of illegal abortion providers, which were supported by rabbis and the Protestant clergy. Those people supporting it again, rabbis and the Protestant clergy. And then they, 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 there's a scene illustrating this where it's a, a rabbi wearing a yarmulke. And he's like counseling a woman who has uh, been impregnated by her lover, not her husband, who's just like, I just don't want my husband to find out. And he goes... Oi, vey, bubba! What are we gonna kill this baby? <laughs> That's not the husband? Oh my god! <laughs> Don't worry, we're gonna in a quick, in a, we'll get it for you. We'll get you that that baby's coming out right away. Well, my name isn't Moisha. 
<laughs> and then like the, wild. It's 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 fucking insane. And then uh, they they show like a police raid on one of these like illegal uh, abortion operations, and like uh, they they bust in like the Chicago PD, and like the doctor's like, "This is a medical procedure. You have no authority here." And the cop just decks him. And then they go like in the in the bathroom or whatever, and they're like, "My." God, and it's just buckets full of gore. Yeah, someone's <laughs> someone, baby someone's, buckets. Someone's marinating just buckets chicken of babies. Thighs. Yeah. They went to Stobbs' apartment <laughs> yeah. and found all the chicken thighs he's marinating. <laughs> oh my God, he's making dinner for him and Eldis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just like you know, uh, we set up the doctors, you know, and it's just like yeah, uh, uh, they, yeah, their their whole plan is coming together, and it's just like um, okay, so then. Um, there is an oh Alveda King cameo. She's actually a producer on this movie too. She's like a Martin Luther King's like one of his nieces or something who's sort of taken it upon herself to like associate the King family name with anti-abortion causes and various right-wing uh, politics. Like she's she's the member of the King family that Glenn Beck interviews when he wants a a civil rights icon to co-sign every insane thing he says and believes in. And she plays Stacy Dash's mother. And there's a scene where they're watching that famous episode of Maud on TV, which is apparently also paid for by the uh, the abortion industry, where like uh, one of the characters says, it's as simple as going to a dentist. And she like drops a drink and it smashes. And she's like, they have Hollywood on their side. Hollywood, triple parentheses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can, like, you can hear it in her saying it. It's, But again, like, and it just, you know, uh yeah okay Hollywood was on the side of abortion rights um but you know like if th- this is their attempt to get movies back on their side and oof man it's just when you're dealing with a thirty or forty year deficit you got a lot of fucking time to make up if you're if you're a pro life uh, filmmaker or celebrity that would, um, that would be a cool movie like a movie about like um like a canceled Hollywood Jew who comes to the Christians he's like the deformed guy in three hundred. And like teaches them how to make actual movies. <laughs> they need one because goddamn, this stuff sucks. I'll do it. I've never, I've never made like a a movie that's been in theaters, but we I, do have an idea someday, and we might do it to make our own version of one of these uh, Christian like action movies, I, and it would be better than anything they've made. I really want to do it. I have some amazing ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So then we get into uh, like the 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 second time Roe v. Wade is argued with the full slate of Supreme Court justices, and it's funny like the <laughs> the person arguing for Wade in this case like opens up by saying like so like they're they're the two uh, women lawyers who are arguing um, on behalf of of Roe, and then like when it comes his chance to address the Supreme Court, he gets out there and he's like, I know it's an old joke, but. Uh, Anytime a fellow's in an argument with two beautiful gals, uh, they're always going to get the last word in. It's like crickets. And it's just <laughs> like, you know, again, I, I really can't stress enough. Like, if you wanted to stop this Holocaust of unborn babies, like, you would have someone with, like, a, above a room temperature IQ, like, on your legal taf- staff. I really, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's no wonder that abortion is legal in this country. If this is, they're not sending their best, is what I'm saying here. Yeah. And they- then he makes an argument, again, Choking back tears, which is like, if you're a lawyer, I'm sorry. It's like, if your lawyer is crying, your ass is definitely going to jail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are absolutely that going was, to jail. That was a, Twitter, that was a Twitter, Twitter lawyer moment. So he gets out there and starts making, uh, arguing before the Supreme Court, um, an argument that he, not even I've never come across. And like, you know, 
sort of voyeuristically following uh, conservative politics and or the anti-abortion people, he starts making the argument that fetuses are a minority. And not only that, they are the silent minority. And I'm just like, again, does that idea or concept pass like even a second scrutiny from someone who's not fully committed to all of this? Like, no, it doesn't. And in fact, like the very idea of unborn children is just simply like it it just elides an entire like uh, this huge swath of of like philosophical, scientific, moral, ethical, political issues that you just say, like, it's a baby. It's a child. (laughs) From the moment of conception, which, by the way, p- people did not believe in until the 20th century. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, it used to be, like, called the quickening in, like, the Catholic Church of, like, the Middle Ages, whereas, like, you could end a pregnancy up until you felt a kick, basically, because nobody regarded, nobody believed this idea that life began at conception because they were way closer to death. Like, they saw it every day, all the time. So, like, I, th- I think, like, this whole idea about life beginning at conception and this whole, like, you know, uh, this idea that we need to protect, like, embryos, like Nick Loeb was suing to get his embryos back from Sofia Vergara, is, like, only the product of an... Yeah, it, I think it really could only come from the product of, like, an American culture that, like, is so removed from, like, death as a physical reality that we're just, like, absolutely terrified by it. So, like, I think that's honestly, like, philosophically where a lot of, like, the what we take for granted about, like, pro-life morality and the things they say and believe comes from. I think that is true, yeah. We, we don't... We can't... We cannot face death or deal with it as a, like a feature of life it is it is an abdication of life and so we just kind of can't it can't be addressed because we can't let it in so uh okay so then yeah okay so the the, the court decides seven two in favor of, of roe and against wade you know uh till still to this day i mean as much as it's been chipped away at and has been made functionally irrelevant like the constitutionally the legal right to uh, obtain an abortion still exists in this country well i mean practically it depends on what state you live in but i mean the idea is like the, the the people who made this movie are still bitching about that and then like there's this whole idea where like stacy dash's character confronts uh nick Loeb at one point like after the decisions after they've won and she's like how do you sleep at night and he, <laughs> how do you sleep at like night? Like a you boss. Know. <laughs> He's like, and she goes, you know that even a medically safe abortion, there's a risk that a woman could be made sterile from it. And it's just like, what? As opposed to like literally every other medical, like, you know how risky it is just to give birth as opposed it's to getting scary. an abortion? It's pretty, it's pretty fucking, a pretty mm. big a roll of the fucking dice if you're talking about the health of, or safety of a woman. And then, okay, then there is an incredible, incredible fucking scene where before it tells you that this guy has converted to Catholicism. Nick Loeb's character in what is like kind of the climax of the movie does the Jeb Bartlett two cathedrals moment in a cathedral (laughs) where he yells at God and he's like, you made me kill these babies. Why did you even have people exist in the first place? It's your fault. It's all your, if you're so good, then why do I exist? You're a liar. You did this. You led me down this path. You didn't want them. Yeah, this is like, (laughs) That's what I realized. This is just like an inversion of a shitty liberal thing. Like, because it just is like same tone almost down to the two cathedral scene, too. Yeah. It's a direct copy of that two cathedral scene. And he's just except like, instead you- of walking and talking, they're all just standing and staring. Well, I don't think this cast could withstand walking and talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, God, no. Yeah. God. Wheeling and talking, maybe. <laughs> um, okay. So then. Like so, like, then it like you know, there's probably like ten minutes, less than five minutes left in the movie, 
and they need to like shoehorn in this idea that the main character who's been defending uh and you know performing abortions for the entire movie has some huge change of heart and then like okay so he shows up in a cathedral and i'm like wait a second this movie's told you this guy is jewish like 10 times already what's going on here and then it gets into this whole conversion narrative which was like speaks to how fucking batty the guy who's behind all this really is so like there's this idea that like towards the end of the movie he talks about how uh like ultrasound technologies have gotten better so that you can like see in utero like what a what a fetus looks like but the whole movie up until that point has gone to elaborate pains to explain to you that he has like personally cut up the human shaped bodies of like thousands of fetuses and then the first time he looks at like a new modern ultrasound he's like they were babies all along you maniacs you blew it all up you blew it all up I killed my daughter. And it's just like, wait, like what? This guy was a doctor. Like surely this didn't come as a shock to him. And I actually should say the climax of the movie is when they show you what like a, you know, uh, uh, cut up fetus looks like on an operating tray or whatever. And again, like if you are horrified by the thought of abortion, I suppose that that's like a, you know, a, a terrifying case closed image for you to just be like the undeniable truth of the, the atrocity that abortion represents. But if you're not, it's like really, it's it's I, I don't know like it's just me personally here but well yeah it's like how it's do like, you think a how do you think like a lung surgery looks like yeah, no yeah, medical gross. procedure looks good and like just the fact that it has like a human shape is like not that impressive because like you know you have a tail in utero until a certain point it like it, it does not look it, just because it has like like the outline of a limb or whatever it does not look human in like the sense that I would regard as being like uh disgusted or terrified to see like uh violence done to you know what i mean yeah it's a very specious argument and always has been but that, it's like one of the crutches of the pro-life movement alan keys when he uh i think one of his presidential runs uh he in one of the before lying liars the l franken book before that the rush limbaugh one uh or no it's why not me he he uh goes to some candidate event in iowa and all these candidates have like booths where they talk about their platforms and like uh, what they think is important, like Steve Forbes, it's like tax shit, etc. And they go to Alan Keyes, and it's just a video of an abortion being done. <laughs> <laughs> and like he, they were like, "You like can't do that." And he was like, "No, I can. No, this is important." And then yeah, like so. So then, and then it just, it's just, it's just, it, it's like a second of voiceover dialogue just explains, like, oh yeah, and then I converted to Catholicism from Judaism, and it's just like, <laughs> what? What's up? Yeah. I mean, like, come on, like that. That should tell you about this guy's like mental <laughs> fitness. I'm sorry. And then, like, so the big reveal of the movie is that the Nick Loeb character is the guy who produced the silent scream movie that they've been using to terrify teenagers with for the last couple decades. This, you know, the silent scream where they use an ultrasound to like supposedly prove that a fetus is like crying out in pain as it's like the, you know, uh, evacuated or terminated or whatever. And it's just like, this guy wrote a whole book of like specious nonsense based on this like wacky conversion that like, and again, like even if you like, you know in his own heart of hearts like had this big like moral conversion that like rejects like everything he did as this being part of some terrible crime or whatever it's like you know if if Al, like if albert einstein you know rejected like every every like the theory of relativity on his deathbed it wouldn't make it like any less true for physics so like it's just this like i said it's this very weird pro-life way of arguing where like the things that they think are like bulletproof case closed moments 
are like just simply not impressive to anyone who's not already of that frame of mind. I know I've said that a lot this episode, but like it, it but was really just is, a, fe- a feeling I came back to over and over again watching this. None of this stuff is meant to actually convert anybody. You watch this because you already believe this stuff, and then you you nod the whole time, and you are you are validated. I mean, that's what all in that respect. This movie really does understand current uh, entertainment in that political art exists to validate people's existing opinions, and that's how you get an audience is by finding a niche and then pandering to it. It's just that their niche uh, they need to pander better because this sucks. It's not Very entertaining. What? It has it has that part of it, but it does not have the slick just just enjoyment factor that has to go with it. Yeah, I mean, it's as unwatchable as like the post is. Mm. I would argue that. Yeah, but like Spielberg can do those like fucking sonorous like civics lessons movies, and like I hated the post, but I quite liked Lincoln. Um, but like at, at least he has like you know obviously like he is the height of artistic professionalism, but also can have some like credible performances and like a screenplay that does convey information a lot a, a lot of like historical information and context in a way that doesn't rely on just like a voiceover narrator telling you mm-hmm. exactly what you need to know no i mean yeah that's true it's like the usual job spielberg would do is far more competent than this but it's like i would like to watch after this not even for the show just for my own edification like the rbg movie just to oh, compare God. it yeah because I have a theory, it's I've, as I've bad. seen it. I've actually, I've seen it. It absolutely, it's like not as offensively awful as this movie, but it is every bit as boring. Yeah, as this no, movie. that's exactly it. Because like, yeah, any movie that's just about like the validation of the audience is going to be similarly empty and vacant and shitty to like us, who were uh, pro-abortion conservatives. So we hate yes. both those movies. <laughs> so what we are, it's what we've always uh, I will, been. I will not... the show's been about. <laughs> Uh, the end of it, like, 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 the, the the movie, like, I thought, I thought it ended with a a quote from Mother Teresa about why abortion is bad, and also I think it's funny to uh, end the movie with a quote from Mother Teresa because you know, given the quality of medical care she was able to provide her patients, it's not exactly fucking blowing the doors off in terms of like uh, compassion and humanity. But I thought I was like, okay, Mother Teresa, that's the final word. The movie goes on for like five minutes after that. It just it just keeps fucking going and like updating you on what everyone's up to now and how many abortions happened in America since this movie you know came out or whatever or how many billions of dollars apparently Planned Parenthood makes from all of this and it's just yeah and then uh, uh, movie over uh, it was all it was all a silent scream silent screen actually that's what this movie should be called yeah the uh, it's a weird mix I mean that's always a, the like ideological problem I've had with the uh, anti-abortion movement is like, okay, like if this is what you say it is, there's like, like the Holocaust is happening like 10 times a month. Like, it's like, this is insane. And, but like the credit, but like their tone isn't always like, yeah, there are some people who definitely like, if they, their tone matches thinking that, but like, if you really thought that, like, and you made this movie, like, the post credit scenes wouldn't be like, oh, like, uh, 100 trillion abortions are being done. And then, like, here's uh, here's the, like, now Catholic guy's family Christmas card. Here's what his vacation was like. Because, like, you know, like, the thing about this movie is, like, obviously it makes no effort whatsoever to, like, explicate or 
contextualize or just portray like any of the moral stakes on on the you know people who are in favor of abortion the people who established or like fought for a legal right to abortion i'm like obviously like they are one thousand percent like just demonized in like the most ham-fisted ways imaginable but if you're a pro-life person this movie does a horrible job of conveying like any of the moral arguments like against abortion or like for you know choosing life or whatever like it, it does a terrible job of uh, giving any honor or respect to either side of this like moral political issue. Well, yeah, I, yeah, like, in, in a way that's almost more offensive to like anti-abortion people. Yeah, I mean, not like I give a shit personally, but like I'm saying, if like if I cared about it, I would be a little, I'd be more disappointed by that than anything watching this movie. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any effort to like to to mount a like a a credible or like. <sighs> Just like a halfway convincing or like a morally textured argument against uh, abortion. Right. I mean, like the so the two points of view are like the only reason anyone would ever get an abortion is because they're like cheating on their husbands or they're just like a stupid bitch. But the only reason that you'd be against abortion is what? I don't know. They don't really like. There isn't really like no. It's yeah. never filled in. Like it's never it's never given voice at all. It's just it's just assumed and like and portrayed in like the most utterly clownish way imaginable. Yeah. Which I mean, I, you know what? Like maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Uh, maybe there isn't that just there isn't that many non clownish <laughs> ways you can portray this point of view. But you know, I'm just I'm just I'm just saying as 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 a, as a fan of movies or like you know, you, you should be able to marshal like the best or at least like pay credence to like the best possible argument like on the other side or just be willing to portray it in a way that is like uh, just just at all authentic and this movie fails on every fucking account all right so uh there there it is roe v wade the silent screen really no reason to watch this whatsoever absolutely no reason to watch it we have once again just stepping in front of this bullet for for everyone yeah no, not even out of curiosity, really, because it's it, they're so it's so leaden and incompetent that it's hard to keep perked up enough to catch the really kind of funny stuff. Is Steve Gutenberg a big conservative guy, or did he just want like a job? I, I maybe who knows? <laughs> I think for most of those older dudes, they just like being asked to be in movies again. But like, they you just know, like Robert getting Davi. a trailer and being able to eat crap service. They like it. Davi is a, is, is a, obviously a, a, a true believer, sir, Mister Mister Schumer, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there you go. Probably, uh, probably the most offensive movie ever made about abortion. So uh, I am waiting would... for the ADL to say something about this thing because it's if like, they, I'm if sorry, they don't, who are you getting mad at? Right <laughs> if now? they yeah. don't, if they, d- I mean, they, f- fair is fair because like basically no one other than us is going to notice this movie, but they. They they pick out like the most fucking like uh like small bore like the like, random Twitter account to fucking get mad at or just like a- any of these microaggressions. If they somehow fail to notice this movie or raise a stink about it, I'm really gonna it's really gonna raise some questions for me. All right, there we go. Till next time, gentlemen. Till next time. Bye-bye. One more time. Uh, festival. Uh, festival. Live show. Festival. Ju- June fifth. Saturday, June fifth. Go to frequency. Dot live frqncy dot live to get tickets uh links and all that shit will be in the description plus i'm putting out a blog post on the patreon about it tonight all right that's it and once again if you have just listened to this episode uh you are legally constitutionally mandated to purchase tickets for the uh the live event june 5th. absolutely be there or be screwed. all right until next time bye bye